0: All right, church. Amen. We are back. Um, Pastor Ryan has been walking us through the attributes of God. Praise God. I hope that's been a blessing to you. It's been making me think and dig deeper and want to know more. Um, Today we are back in the book of Ephesians. We are making our crawl through this book. I pray that God has been blessing your life through it and some of the things we've looked at and maybe some stuff that he's shown you know, your own time. Um, Today... We are going to be starting in verse 17 and really only doing the B portion of verse 17. So today we're going to look, be looking at, what is this, One, two, three, four, five, six words really. Um, I wanted to go into more depth and to really get into verse 18, but um, I thought I would do a more shorter version and then dig into 18 and hopefully, I will not say hopefully, whatever God has next week, well, well, and I don't know how it's going to have me breaking up word he reveals so i'm just trying to follow whatever god is showing me here and on today all of my time was just in verse 17 the b portion of it and so that's what we're we're really going to look at so the topic for today is being rooted and grounded in love ephesians 3 17 going to look at what it is to be rooted and grounded in love this is part of paul's prayer for the ephesians there in the b portion of verse 17 but what I'll do to refresh us, I'll start at the beginning of this prayer in verse um, 14, and I'll read all the way through it. But our, our main subject, our text, will be 17, uh, the B portion of that text. Let's just pray Heavenly Father God, we thank you, Lord, for again life, giving us life. Lord, it is your word that we hold in our hands, Lord, and we we, we respect it lord god and we know that it's only by your holy spirit that the words can come alive to us lord god so we're praying that you illuminate our eyes and our mind to see truth god let us be transformed by it god let us see more of your glory in it lord um turn, uh shape us more into the image of your son by using this word god to to, to, to make us look like Him, lord god to the weed out any of the sinful things inside of us lord god sanctify us is what i'm getting at god through your word lord sanctify us lord it's our prayer god in jesus name amen this is paul's prayer for these ephesians and this is what he prays he says this for this reason i bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives his name that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. Here's our key verse here. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Here we go. And that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints. What is the breadth, length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of of God. Amen. So today, church, we get to talk about uh, one of my, my favorite topics in Scripture, and that is the, the love of God. Um, this is a topic that I would say most people or many Christians we, we love to talk about, or we talk about the most, and for good reason. Uh, we learned early on in chapter three that the angels or the angelic beings, when they See what God was doing through Christ in the gospel, that these angelic beings, they marveled at the glory of God's wisdom. and He was displaying his wisdom in the gospel. Right. That's what we learned early on in Ephesians chapter three. But when it comes to us humans, and I mentioned this, I think the previous week when I was speaking. When it comes to us humans, we are often enamored by the love of God. We see his glory through his love. And we see that. The creator, right? The father from whom every family in heaven on earth derives his name is a lover. That is is something that is mind blowing to us, right? The creator, the father who created all things, is a lover and loves so deeply that that he brings divinity to earth in the form of his son, who does not just die on the cross for sinful men. But on his three or so year trip to the cross, he heals the leper, he raises the dead, he gives sight to the blind, he feeds the multitude of people, he shows mercy and grace to the harlot, he sits and mingles with publicans and sinners, he breaks the bondage of demonic oppression, and it teaches us to love our neighbor as ourself. See, in the person of Jesus Christ, we... See love, we see one of the greatest virtues. The virtue that Paul says in First in Corinthians that if we do not possess it, it doesn't matter if we speak in tongues of men or of angels, it doesn't matter if we have the, the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, it doesn't matter if we give all of our possessions to the poor. Paul says, Without love, we are nothing. So that virtue, love, that affection of the heart, as John Piper would say, Christ personified, meaning that he came down and gave love feet and arms and hands and a body. And if you are in Christ, my brother and sister, meaning that you have come to place your faith in Jesus and believe in that through faith in him alone, you are made right with God. And that through faith in him alone, you you have been forgiven of your sins. And that through faith in him alone, you become sons and daughters of God. And that through faith in him alone, you enter the kingdom of God. Then my brother or sister, you have been rooted and grounded, guess what? In love itself. You have come to the fountain of love. This brings us to Paul's prayer here, here in Ephesians uh, chapter 3. Because the subject of his petition from the B portion of verse 17 all the way down to the B portion of verse 19 is, guess what, the love of Christ. Paul ultimately has two petitions in these two verses here. He has two petitions. This is what he's praying. His first one, he's praying that the Father according to the riches of his glory, may grant us the strength to comprehend the love of Christ. That's in verse 18. So he's praying, that's his, this is his petition, he's praying to the Father, and asking the Father out of the, the riches of his glory to grant us strength or to grant us power to comprehend. This is one of my favorite Greek Greek words. The the word that's translated comprehend in the Greek is katalambano. I just love saying that word, katalambano, right? And it means to to seize, to grab, to snatch, to put your arms all around it and make it yours. So Paul is praying that God will give us the strength to comprehend or katalambano, to seize and to grasp the love of Christ, verse 18. And his next petition is that we would know through firsthand experience, the Greek word "gnosko," meaning to know by personal experience, to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. So that is his two petitions here in these two verses: one that we would comprehend, wrap our hands around the love of Christ, and then one that we would know this love through personal experience, to intimately experience His love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. That's his two petitions here. But even before we dig a little further, just think about this. Brothers and sisters, when is the last time you have prayed this way? Paul is not praying here for unbelievers, church. He's praying for believers who know Christ. And he's praying that that, that the Father would give them strength to comprehend the love of Christ and to know it intimately and experientially. That is his prayer, church. When is the last time have you prayed for your brother and sister in this way? To say, oh God, I just want my my brother and sister to know your love more. Or, oh God, I just want them to be overwhelmed by your love. Or, oh God, I just want them to know your love in a new way, in a fresh way. Church, when have you prayed like this? When is the last time you prayed for the people on this Zoom chat in that way? You haven't done it in a while, church. I'm going to tell you, you need to step your prayer game up. How's your prayer life, saints? And here, I'll be the first to admit, I, I have not been praying this way. But I'm planning to start now after looking at this text. I do plan to start. Now, now here's the ironic thing about what, what Paul is asking for here. The ironic thing that Paul is really praying for something that is impossible. For us to fully understand and grasp with our mind and heart, the love of Christ, that's something that you can't do because Christ's love is without boundaries. You can never get to the end of it. So Paul is really praying for us to grab a hold of something that really is ungrabbable. But you get the sentiment of what he's saying. He just wants the, the, the Ephesians and Christians to know this love. So he's praying for something that really... We, we really can't ever fully get. It's something that you will forever, eternally grow in, the love and knowledge of God to Christ. Now, in order for us to begin this descent into the boundless glory known as the love of Christ, here's the thing, a spiritual uprooting or transfer has to first take place. Because in going from verse 17 to 18, we see that first we must be rooted and grounded and love itself before we can actually begin to explore the depths of Christ or the, the depths of Christ's love, the, the breadth, the length, and the height of it. See, there's a prerequisite before we start this exploration. I, I, I kind of liken it to, I kind of liken this exploration into the love of Christ to like a theme park, right? So, through the gospel, for example, Christ pays your way into the theme park, right? And you are just happy that someone paid your way and they let you in. But as soon as you step into the park, you look up and you see this vast array of rides and and fun things to do. And you are just like, whoa, I was just happy that somebody paid my way and let me in. But now I get to go and explore all the things that this park has. And, And that is really us with the love of Christ. The gospel brings us in and we see the love of Christ, but then from there we get forever to explore and to grow in it and to see more of it, which is in verse 18 that we'll get to next week when he talks about the, the breadth, the height, the depth of the love. He's really showing the dimensions of the love. But before you can even go to verse 18, we see in 17 that first we must be rooted and grounded in love itself. And then we can go and explore the depths, the heights, the width of the love of Christ. So there is a prerequisite Before we begin this exploration into the love of Christ. So let's look a little bit more at what it means for us to be rooted and grounded in love, as Paul says in verse 17, the the B portion. Now, first question is, how does the Bible or what does the Bible teach me about love? Right, Because Paul says to these Ephesians that you are rooted and grounded in love. What does it mean to be or what does the Bible teach us about love? Well, I think John, First John is the great place to really, that it really kind of lays out for us what love looks like or what it is in the Bible. So 1 John 4, 7 teaches me that, or teaches us that love is from God. So that's what the first thing we know about love, that love is from God. 1 John 4, 7, right? Love is from God. And then 1 John 4, 8 teaches us that God is love. So love is from God and God is love. And then as you keep going down here in John, First John 4, 9 teaches me that God has manifest his love through the sending of his son. And then John finishing his reasoning in, in, in verse 10 of chapter 4 wraps up by showing us the supreme expression or definition of God's love, where he states this. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation it's Fernando's favorite word the propitiation for our sins so when paul speaks of being rooted and grounded in love he is speaking of this being rooted and grounded in the gospel because in the gospel we find the epitome of god's love in christ so before we begin our exploration into the left into the length, the breadth, and heights and depth of the love of Christ, we have to start here with the perfect life, perfect life of Jesus and a, a, a bloody cross. We start right there, the perfect life of Jesus and a bloody cross, the gospel. See, church, this is why we, 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 we never grow tired of the gospel, We never grow, we never outgrow it. It's not like, hold on, I understand the gospel, now give me something else. No, our roots are placed in this love. It is from this love that we grow. It is from this love that we have our foundation. See, as the psalmist says in Psalms 1, where he talks about the tree planted by the streams of water and yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither, well, it's the same thing with the love of God. The, the love of God in the gospel is our streams of water. It is the foundation of our life. Our roots are deep into the love of God, and we grow and mature and produce fruit from this love that we are rooted in. So the gospel, the love there, that is our streams of water that keeps our, our us producing fruit. That's, that's our life there. That's where our, our, our roots are stuck in rooted and grounded in love, the love of God in Christ through the gospel. That is who we are. Now, here's the thing, church, there's more glory in this text, verse 17. There's more glory in this text, but in order for you to see the additional glory, you're gonna have to nerd out with me in the Greek to really see it. Here's the additional glory that I really want you to see here. In verse 17, Verse 17, the B portion, where Paul says that you being rooted and grounded in love, grammar wise, it is written in the passive voice and in the perfect tense. Passive voice and in a perfect tense. Some of you said, What does that mean? Explain that to me, right? Well, in verse 17, where he's saying being, that you are being rooted or to be, that is the passive voice. And the passive voice indicates that the subject, this is key, understand this, it indicates that the subject is being acted upon by a source outside of himself. Just put a pin on that. It means that the subject, which would be the Ephesians or us, is being acted on by a source outside of ourselves. So put a pin in that. Now, the words rooted and grounded are in the perfect tense. And when a word is written in the perfect tense, the writer is trying to convey the idea of something being continual or permanent, unchanging. So when you add all of this up, what Paul is saying is that you being rooted and grounded in love, guess what, church? It's not because of your doing. It's not that we root and ground ourselves in love, but no, a force on the outside, a power on the outside, which is God has acted and has picked us up and rooted you and I and grounded you and I in this love permanently and continually, talking about not losing your salvation. That's the gist of what Paul is getting here. In theology, they call it the divine passive. Because when a text is written in a passive voice like this, it is showing that God is the one producing the action. He's the one that is rooting you and grounding you in his love. So brothers and sisters, guess what? You can't root and ground yourself in love. God does this. This is his action. He's the one that's rooting you and grounding you in love. So you can read the text in verse 17 as Paul saying, by you being rooted and grounded in love by God, he's saying, that now he's saying, I'm praying that you may be able to comprehend the, the length, the breadth, the height, and the width of the love of Christ. So that, that's how that text could be read. It's, it's saying that God is the one who has rooted and grounded you in his love permanently and continually this thought that Paul has here in verse 17 is, guess what? It's it's, it's very similar to what the, the, the thought or the idea that Paul was conveying in Colossians 1.13, where he says this, he says, For he, talking about God the Father, has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. See, before God rooted us and grounded us in his love. We were rooted and grounded in darkness. We were rooted and grounded in self. We were rooted and grounded in pride. We were rooted and grounded in hate. But then God comes along, uproots us, and places us in his love, which is his son. See, that's the great transfer. See, before you can really begin to explore the depths of the love of Christ, this transfer into God's love has to first happen to you. That is the great transfer. See, without this transfer or this uprooting and replanting, guess what? We will never fully know love in its fullness because to know Christ is to know God and to know God is to know love. Without this transfer ever happen, guess what? You will never fully know or fully experience love itself. Why? Because to know Christ again Is to know God, to know God is to know love. Now, sure, God in his common grace allows unbelievers to experience hints of his love, such as the love of a mother, such as the love of a father, a grandmother, or children, or or a husband. But guess what? No Christ, there is no fullness of love. So no Christ, you've never really experienced love. Yes, you've experienced the love of a mother. Yes, you've experienced the love of a father or a spouse. And that is a form of love, yes. But you have never had the fullness of love until you have Christ. See, it's Christ. So the question that I have for you, my brothers and sisters, are you rooted and grounded in love? Has this great transfer happened to you? Has it? It's a question I want you to really think on. Well, here's the thing. We know that if we have been rooted in love, we should produce the fruit of love, right? Because the the root produces the fruit. So if we have been rooted and grounded in love, the love of God, which we find in Jesus, then guess what? That means that there should be traces of love in everything we do from our actions to the words that come out of our mouth. If we have truly been rooted and grounded in the love of God in Christ through the gospel, then our roots being deep in that love should produce fruits of love, meaning that traces of love should be, again, in everything we do, our actions, in our words, in our mouth, all of that. For example, if you wanna see how being rooted and grounded in love affects our actions and our words that come out of our mouth, look no further than Paul's letter here to the Ephesians. Let me give you some some, some verses. For example, chapter one, verse four to five, we see that in love, God predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. In chapter four, verse two, we also see Paul saying this, with all humility and gentleness with patience, showing tolerance for one another, guess what? In love. So in love, we ought to show humility and gentleness and patience with one another and showing tolerance for one another. Guess what? In love. You you see how the love is the foundation of all of our actions here? Look at verse 15 in that same chapter, chapter 4. He says this, that we ought to speak the truth in love. So the words that come out of my mouth, right? I should speak the truth about who Jesus is, the truth of the gospel, in love. You keep going down in that same chapter, verse 16. um, Paul describes the church as operating as a body with many parts. And he says that the church should build up itself in love. Again, the church as a body operating as many parts will build itself up in love. And then you go over to chapter five, verse two. We are told to walk in love just as Christ also loved us. So you see, once you are church, what you are rooted and grounded in love, it affects all of your other loves. Your love of your brother, the love of your sister, the love of your neighbor, the words that come out of your mouth. If you're rooted and grounded in love, you can't help but to show love, right? Because you're rooted and grounded in it. So it affects everything. So, even if you are, for example, speaking to an unbeliever, I gotta ask you this, church, when you're speaking to a believer, are you speaking out of love when you speak to that believer? If you're saying, they're an unbeliever, how can I really love them? I wanna just remind you of Jesus and the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10, verse 17 to 22. If you recall, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus asking what he must do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus goes and he gives him the commandments, and then the ruler Basically said, hey, I've kept all these. What else do I need to do? Then the text says this in verse 21 about Jesus. It says, looking at him, Jesus felt love for him. Jesus looking at him. Jesus felt love for him. He felt love for a man who would ultimately choose material earthly possessions over him. He he felt love for a man who would choose earthly material possessions over the kingdom of God and and, and over eternal life. So, who are we? We speak out of love like Christ did. We we look at people out of love as Christ did. I I recall a time, and, and I've shared this before, I just want to share it again, when um you know preaching at the mission um not a time many times where I did not want to preach brothers and sisters I did not want to drive down to the mission for a reason there were times when I was sick and there was times when I just I just didn't want to do it but by God's grace I would you know push myself and get there and as I'm driving up again I see All of these homeless people laying on the side of the road in tents, and God began to just well open my heart for them. He begins to develop a love in me for them where I wanted to eagerly go and and preach the gospel because I knew that the gospel could change their entire life. But see, it was God, He began to produce this love in me, even though I didn't have it at first. He produced this love in me. I didn't know these folks, but I I wanted them to know this God, I wanted them to know this Savior, I wanted them to have this fruit and, and to have this relationship with god that i have see it was this love that he produced in me for others were unbelievers and that should be in you my brothers and sisters We don't go and just look down upon unbelievers and see them acting different and, and acting crazy no there should be a love when we approach him even if we're street preaching, if we're street preaching, yes, we want to preach the gospel in love. If we're sharing the gospel with a person, a relative or a friend, even though they're acting crazy, we don't want to come all arrogant and boastful. No, we want to come in love, telling them about the Savior, telling them about their sins, telling them about where they're headed if they don't repent. We do it in love. Why? Because we have been rooted and grounded in the love of God, and his fruit is coming out in us. Again, brothers and sisters, the question, are you rooted and grounded in love? How about, How about when, it's, when it's time to correct your brother or sister in the faith? Are you correcting them in love? Or are you correcting them out of pride? Are you correcting them where or, or you're just trying to prove that you are right and they are wrong? What are you doing brothers and sisters? Are you rooted and grounded in love? If you are rooted and grounded in love, that means that your roots go deep down into the center of God's love, which is Jesus and the gospel. Then the fruit of love should then begin to manifest itself, brothers and sisters, in your life. Because it's your foundation. It's your root. God the Father has done it. He has planted you in his love. He's rooted you. He's made that your foundation. He's rooted you in his love. Well, with that being said, I also want to remind you of this. I want to remind you what the psalmist says in Psalms 1 regarding the fruit that, that um, the, the tree that is planted by the rivers, the streams of water, and that yields its fruit in its season. Just that. The psalmist says that that tree yields its fruit in its season. Sometimes we're wondering, why am I not seeing all the fruit in my life. Yes, I'm 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 fruited in the vine. I'm rooted in love. My foundation is love, but why am I not seeing all of the fruit from this? I just want to remind you to be patient and understand that if we go through life, we have seasons, and guess what? God is in control of those seasons, and he will work in you to produce the fruit. Your job is just stay faithful. Stay faithful in Christ. When it comes to that proper season, that fruit, he will produce it. He will work it in you. He's the one who has rooted you there. So don't get so discouraged when you're not seeing all the change that you want to see right away. You're not seeing the fruit that you want to see. Understand the fruit will give it; the, the tree will yield its fruit in its season. So long as you're rooted to love, which is in Christ, which is Jesus himself, he's going to work in you to produce that fruit. And finally, my brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you this. I want to encourage you to to step back and to reflect on God's love just yourself. Reflect on Jesus. Reflect on what he has done. Let that love humble you. Let that love produce mercy in you. Let that love produce empathy and compassion towards others. Let it have its perfect and complete work in you, this love that you are rooted deep in. Now, what we'll do... um, Next week, this is me ending, um, we'll look at, since we have the first step, we are rooted and grounded in love itself. Now we can take the next step into the trek, or into the, into we can we can begin to explore, I would say, the vast, boundless glory of Christ's love, which we'll look at verse 18 and 19. We'll talk about the, the depth, the height, and the breadth, this, this description that Paul is trying to describe here. We'll look at that because you can say, okay, I understand the gospel, What else more is there? What love is there? It it, it gets bigger. It it grows more. And I'll look more to that next week to show you what what Paul is getting at here when he's talking about the dimensions of this love. And I'll bring you also into some of the um, debatable issues with this topic. Um, As you will see in uh, verse 18, there is no noun there to describe what he's referring to. He just says the width, the breadth, the height, you know, and the length. but he doesn't say what it is. He doesn't say love specifically, but you get that from the context. And I'll get that, I'll explain that to you next week, but I just kinda wanna give you a heads up to where we're going. Um, Today was just really to remind you of our roots, what God has done in us to remind you to check yourself. Um, Am I producing love? Am I doing actions out of love? Am I speaking out of love? Do I see the fruits of love in my life? And so it's really a challenge for you to, to look at yourselves. And if you're not seeing, go to the Lord and call out to him. So that's my prayer and hope for you today, brothers and sisters. Um, let us close out with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your truth, your word, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, for doing something that we couldn't do ourselves, placing us in the fountain of love, Lord God. So I that love to change and transform us, God. We thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for sending your son, Lord God, the epitome of your love, Lord. And God, you demonstrating your love by having him go on a cross to absorb the wrath on our behalf. And God allowing us to take on his righteousness, God. And not only his righteousness, God, you allowed us to take on his familiar standing by making us now sons and daughters of God. Prince and princesses, heirs to the throne. We thank you for that, Lord God. God, I pray that you grow or help, my brothers and sisters, on this line, Lord God, to go deeper in your word. God, bring truths that I didn't touch, Lord God, to their mind as they go about their day-to-day, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.